welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee, and I'm glad that you joined our program today. We have been discussing why I am a member of the Church of Christ, and as we've gone through these lessons, we're on the seventh lesson, although uh, most of our lessons have been at least two or three weeks, and uh, this one is no different. Um, but we are still on Lesson 7, and one of the reasons that I am a member of the Church of Christ is that it is scriptural in organization. As we look at denominations, and as we look at, at churches in general, we see that there are many who choose an organizational structure that is man-made. And so we need to make sure that we are going to be, if we are going to be the church that we read about in the Bible that the organization of the church is according to God's Word. And so we're going through the Scriptures and looking at the things that God wants us to know, the things that God wants us to implement in His church, the, the way that the church is supposed to be structured from a scriptural standpoint. And so we're going to continue that study today. Uh, we have begun discussing elders, the importance of elders in each congregation. And so that will be our discussion for today. Before we begin our lesson, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. And we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that you would be with us, that you would bless us as we study your word together, and may we have a ready heart and a ready mind to receive the things that you are giving us, and we pray, Father, that you would help us to not only to be the church that you want us to be, but as individual members, that you would help us to be the Christians that we ought to be. We are thankful for your Son for his sacrifice for our sins, and for all that Jesus means to us. It is through him we pray. Amen. All right, so as we get into our lesson today, uh, again, we are discussing elders. We began looking uh, last week at the importance of elders in every church. Titus 1 and verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete. Titus was given the responsibility that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. We also see other references for elders. Uh, it's not the only name given to describe this office, but also bishops and overseers, as we read in Acts 20 and verse 28, depending on which translation you use. In Ephesians 4 and verse 11, they are referred to as pastors. Um, we see that whenever we have pastors in a congregation, um, uh, to tradition, most believe these to be the preachers. And most denominations <clears throat> excuse me, are structured in such a way that the pastors, the preachers really are the pastors. They really do shepherd the flock. But that's not the way that God set up his church. 
And we see that as congregations of the Church of Christ, as the church that we read about in the Bible is structured, we understand that there are multiple pastors. There are multiple men that guide the flock, that oversee the flock, and they are the elders, not the preachers, but the elders. The preachers have responsibility of their own, but elders, their primary responsibility is to shepherd the flock. And so we have to understand that from a scriptural standpoint. We also looked last week at the responsibilities of elders. And these responsibilities include, first of all, taking heed to themselves and to all the flock. And I look at this in three different ways. As individuals, they are to take heed of themselves. Make sure that their lives are in line with God's Word. That they are doing those things that God is pleased with. But secondly, not just as individuals, but even as overseers of each other. Elders should look out for the souls of fellow elders. And that's very important. And then thirdly, they should take heed to all the flock. Elders have a responsibility to the congregation. They need to know the members of the congregation. They need to have a a personal relationship with all of the members in the congregation. Not only should they have this type of relationship with them, but we also see that, that as far as Scripture teaches, that they need to take heed of their souls. They should know when members have wandered away from the truth or wandered away from the church. They need to know when members are hurting, when members are sick. Although uh, in the book of James, chapter 5, I believe it's verse 13, or at least beginning with verse 13, that we're told that members have a responsibility to inform the elders If anyone is sick or hurting, they should call for the elders of the church. Don't just be hurt that they didn't visit, but make sure that they know that you're hurting or that you're in trouble. If you have any need, take it to those elders. Uh, But they have a responsibility to the congregation for taking heed to the souls within that congregation. And making sure that each member is faithful and remaining faithful. If they need encouragement, they provide that encouragement. That's responsibility of the elders. Helping the weak, Acts 20 and verse 35. uh, They are to support the weak. And any way that they they see that need within the church and, and without to. They need to help those who are weak. Titus 1.9, they need to be involved in exhorting and convicting, uh, making sure that, that what is taught within the church is scriptural. And if it's not, they're the ones that take care of that matter and make sure that what is coming from the pulpit 
is of a scriptural nature. They need to be aware of what is being taught and they need to be aware of the truth so that they can ward off any any temptation, any conflict that might be coming upon the congregation. They need to be able to take care of those problems as well as encouraging the brethren. They need to be involved in admonishing and encouraging, or as the New King James puts it, warning and comforting. And that's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. They are to be examples to the flock. 1 Peter 5 verses 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. We understand that that overseers are overseers of the ones among them, of their own congregation. Most denominational structures have leaders of certain regions that they look to, and they have them structured uh, in such a way that, that those within the congregation, they don't look directly to the Word of God necessarily, but they look back to their regional leaders. And what they're doing is they're placing all leadership on the backs of men. And that doesn't work. That's not the way that God set up His church. Uh, But elders are to shepherd the flock which is among them. Not other flocks in other places, but the flocks that are among them. They are to serve as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Those who who are under them, should serve them willingly, uh, not because they are forcing them to, but because they desire to. That's also important. And the things that they are to do are not to be done for dishonest gain. They are to be involved in visiting the sick. Uh, This is the one I mentioned earlier. James 5, verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I remember having a conversation. Uh, It may have been in our Bible classes, but uh, I remember one of our elders Uh, mentioned that he had actually physically anointed someone with oil at at their request. Uh, This is not something that we typically practice today, uh, but it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility either. Um, But we should make sure that, uh, again, if we do have a need, that we call for the elders of the church. Let them know that we have a need. Don't leave them in darkness. We are to be involved, uh, elders are to be involved in watching for the souls of the members. We mentioned that uh, in, in different places. Hebrews 13 verse 17 is one of those. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Why? For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. So elders are to watch out for the souls of the members of the congregation and we are to be obedient and submissive uh, 
to the authority that is given them. Today we are ready to discuss the qualifications of elders. Now, I hope that we haven't spent too much time introducing the lesson, although I think it's good for us to be reminded of the things that we've already already discussed. But today we are getting into the qualifications of elders. What qualifies them to be elders, to lead a congregation? Um, and, and why is it important that we as, as Christians, as members of the church, know the qualifications? We are involved in appointing those elders. We decide who meets those qualifications and who should be appointed according to the scriptures. And as we look at these qualifications, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I don't want you to think that elders are to be perfect individuals. They are not. No one is perfect. Not ourselves. Not not the leaders of the church necessarily. Um, the only one who has ever been perfect is Christ Jesus. But we have a responsibility in appointing elders to make sure that they are qualified. Now, does that mean that they won't make mistakes? No. From time to time, that may be a possibility. And I, I've heard of instances where elders have, even in, um, <clears throat> even as a whole in the congregation, have come forward and expressed um, a need for forgiveness for something that they have done or maybe a, a lack of doing the things that they know they need to be involved in. Elders are not perfect and we shouldn't hold them to perfect standards. But the elders that are appointed, we need to make sure that they are qualified. That they are qualified for the work that they are to do. So we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to add in, in different places, some mention from Titus chapter 1, where qualifications are also given there. Uh, some of them are worded a little bit differently, uh, but I will give you the references as we go through each of the qualifications as to where they are found, and we'll discuss their meaning, uh, what they mean to us, and especially what they mean for the elders that we, that we look to, who oversee the congregation. But we begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children 
in submission, with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. As we look at these qualifications, we begin with this preface that if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. There's been debate on whether this is actually a qualification or whether it's just something that is is of important note. And basically the idea centers around that some elders, as they are appointed, they may not completely desire the work that is ahead of them. Um, that, That they may be qualified and the congregation may desire for them to serve and if they are appointed, that they should serve. Uh, but as we look at, at this, we have this preface, <clears throat> excuse me, that he must desire the position or office. If he desires the work, he desires a good work. It is a worthy work. It is something that, that we should teach our children to desire. I, I taught a class. Um, it was based on a book that was written by Glenn Colley, and it was called Headed to the Office. And it was based upon encouraging young men to desire the office of an elder, teaching them why they should desire that office. And it was a very good book, and uh, I would certainly recommend it for anyone that, that might be teaching a class uh, of teenage boys. It's a, a good Good book for that purpose. Um, but I know that I, I, growing up, I looked at my grandfather. He was an elder in the church, and I saw many of the difficulties that he faced. And, and many of them, I know that from a personal standpoint, I would not desire to face them myself. Or at least I didn't then. I understand the importance of it now more so than, than I did back then. But we should encourage our young men, and not just our young men, but especially as we have adults that may be qualified or may be potentially qualified in the future. Uh, As they get older, they may be ready to serve in that position, and we should encourage them to desire that office. As I look at the work of an elder, I understand that Uh, Should a man be appointed that doesn't desire the office, there could be some dangers involved in doing that. If he doesn't desire the office, he will most likely resent being appointed or being placed in that position of authority when he really didn't want to be in the first place. Uh, and, And especially with smaller congregations, uh, we may see the uh, a theme where, where maybe we have this idea that we need to to step up because nobody else 
is going to do it. But if he doesn't desire the work, I, from a personal standpoint, believe that he should not be appointed an elder. If he has no desire for the office, I feel that there are great dangers that may be in front of someone who is placed in that position if they don't desire the office, if they don't want to serve, not with any ounce of their being. But men are told that if they desire the work, they desire a good work. And it is a good position to hold, and we should not downplay it. We should not downplay its importance. We should recognize its importance. And we should share that importance with those who may potentially be elders in the future. But as men, let us desire the work so that we may be ready for it if placed in that position. And let us recognize the importance of those that do serve. Let's recognize uh, the importance of the work, the uh, hardness that is involved, the, the difficulties that are involved in serving over a congregation. Let's be appreciative to our elders for what they do and that they do desire the office. A second qualification that we are given is that he must be blameless without or above reproach. This is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 2, and also in Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. As I mentioned a moment ago, elders are not to be perfect. We are not to look at them and, and see that they should be perfect because they're not going to be perfect. They are going to make mistakes in their own personal lives. They may make mistakes in the decisions that they make. Or, as I mentioned before, maybe it's a lack of doing the things that the church needs to be involved in. But they are to be blameless, without blame. Not, perf not perfect, but of excellent character. Should blame be brought upon them, guilt should be far from the minds of those that judge them. We shouldn't look at them and, and if someone has an accusation, we shouldn't just automatically believe that accusation to be true. First of all, based upon their character, based upon us knowing that they could not be involved in, in whatever they are being accused of. Uh, but also from the standpoint uh, that they should not be guilty. They should be of such excellent character as not to be guilty of whatever they may be accused of. It, it kind of goes both ways. We shouldn't imply guilt or infer guilt, but we should also make sure that those that are serving are not guilty of some great sin. If, in fact, they are guilty, there are ways of dealing with such guilt. First of all, they must be able to admit wrong and repent. They must be willing to repent 
of whatever wrong may be necessary or, or may have been committed. And as we look at, at different crimes, if those crimes involve matters of uh, not just moral law, but even the laws of the land, if they have, have broken those laws in some way, there may be some some stiffer consequences to their actions. Uh, and those are addressed in Scripture, and, and we know how those things are to be addressed for the most part. Um, but just looking at this from an overview standpoint, elders are not to be perfect. We are not to look at them and, and try to look for perfection. But they also need to be of such character that they are not guilty of things that they may be accused of. And I would dare say that most elders, at some point in their service, will be accused of something. Maybe it's uh, an accusation between one or two people, maybe within the congregation. Maybe it's brought before the congregation. But elders are probably going to be accused of something, unfortunately. And when they are, again, we should handle it in the right way. We should make sure that that we are not placing blame where we shouldn't place it. Unfortunately, we are running low on time. And so we'll stop there. We'll pick up with the third qualification, Lord willing, next week uh, as we, we come back together for another portion of according to the scriptures and and uh, I kind of lament that uh, that we did spend so much time on the introduction we didn't get to talk very much about the qualifications themselves uh, but we may spend a couple of weeks on these qualifications I know that that we did whenever we uh, were in our bible classes on Wednesday night uh, and that's okay um, but like I said we'll stop there and we'll pick up with the third qualification of elders, Lord willing, next week. I do hope to be back with you next week, Tuesday at 11 a.m. I hope that you will plan to be back with me then. Uh, but until we meet again, I, I do hope that you have a, a blessed week. And uh, if you do need to contact us for any reason, go to our website, marshillcoc.org, marshillcoc.org. And from that website, you'll find a, a, a link on the, the front page to send us a message. And please do that. We would love to hear from you. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, I would love to try to answer those for you. Um, like I said, until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.